0: Um, If we haven't met before, my name's Tom, and I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Church. And today, as Anna has said, uh, I'm going to be kicking off a new series of messages, uh, which we're looking at the matter of fear. And uh, this is really a series that is long overdue in many ways, uh, not just because we've been going through this global pandemic, but because we really are living in something of a culture of fear. And this is what Jesus wants to say to us today, I believe. Uh, In John chapter 14, verse 27, we read these words of Jesus. He says, peace, this is to his followers. So if you're a follower of Jesus, this is for you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid afraid. This is the words of Jesus to you this morning if you're a follower of him. And if, you if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you don't know him, this is what you can know as well. You can know the peace that Jesus gives. And you can know that to be true of you, that your heart would be not troubled by the things that you might be troubled by right now. As I say, this is a series that is long overdue because we're in a culture that is wrecked by fear It's a culture that there is so much to be uh, fearful about, it would seem. There's so much uh, messaging around fear. Uh, Even before this global pandemic that we've been going through in the last 16, 17 months, there was so much fear, fear of rejection, fear of failure, Fear of uh, death, fear of losing control, fear of the future, all kinds of stuff that was rife. But over these last 16, 17 months, we've had this kind of coming at us from all angles, haven't we? we every newspaper or uh, media outlet, barely any are uh, not guilty of this. That there are a he- There's a headline most days saying, uh, scientist fears XYZ. And today, probably when you get back from church, there'll have been political programs on the TV where scientists will have been interviewed and the headline will be, scientists warn XYZ could happen. Scientist fears X, Y, Z. This has happened again and again and again, and I think our media have got into something of a rut, because even this week, when a prominent scientist had some good news for us, namely that the pandemic could be coming to an end by October in this country, the newspaper still had this to say about this headline. COVID-19, the bulk of the pandemic will be behind us by October, Neil Ferguson warns, as if that's something to be kind of warned by. Well, this is really good news, but I think the papers have got into sort of autocorrect mode that whenever a scientist says something, it has to be followed by the word warns or cautions or uh, there's always a a headline saying why you should be worried about this variant, why you should be worried about the next lockdown that's going to happen. This is coming at us from all angles, and Many of us can't wait for this to kind of be over, this period of uh, doom and gloom and uh, all the various restrictions that we've known on our lives. But when it's gone, there will be another thing. You need to understand that. There will be another thing. It might be climate change. It might be global terrorism. There will be something that newspapers and media outlets will want to grab our attention with because they have a job to do. You can't really blame them in some respects. They have papers to sell they have clicks to get. Even our beloved BBC is, is guilty of this. They, they will have meetings where they'll sit down and say, engagement with our website hasn't been very high recently. Engagement with our articles hasn't been as high as we'd like. Look at Sky, they're getting more engagement. We need to crank up the headlines a little bit. We need to crank up the fear a little bit. This is happening, friends. And this is not to say that there's not caution. to This, this is a real thing not someone who says it's a scam or anything like that this was a real, this is a real thing but we un, we need to understand what's going on in the world there is fear coming at us from all angles fear is the strongest of human emotions and media and others will want to play on our fears now we love a thrilling movie don't we sarah and i recently watched Escape from Pretoria, which is about a man who escapes from Pretoria prison. So it's not very imaginative title. It was so gripping. It was so thrilling. Is he gonna get caught by the guards? You're on edge of your seat. You love the kind of thrill and, and movies that kind of make you feel a little bit on edge. And yet at the same time, we play over in our minds in the quiet of the day, what could possibly go wrong in our own lives? Might we lose loved ones? Might we lose our financial security? Might we lose popularity in some ways. Might we lose the reputation that we have. We, we, we have fears within our mind and maybe you know fear's powerful effect on your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you just know I've been gripped by fear. Over these next five weeks as we, as we touch on this matter, I do believe God is going to do some big things in hearts. I really do believe that. I do believe he's going to bring some freedom and release for people from some things that have been holding them back. Maybe you've known that really explicitly. Maybe you've had panic attacks. Maybe you've had tightness of chest. Maybe you've had the loss of appetite that can sometimes come with anxiety and fear. Maybe you've been um, dealing with it in a number of different ways. Maybe you've dealing with it through distraction. I'm going to distract myself. I'm going to just do gaming all the time. Or I'm going to go to drink or to other kind of uh, different things that might just try and take my mind off uh, the fears that I have within Maybe you try and get control through obsessive behavior. Maybe you try to try and, if I can control everything else in my life, if I can make my house look perfect, if I can have my garden looking just so, then I can try and control what I can control and try and stay peaceful through that. It can manifest in many different ways. Listen, this book here that I'm holding in my hands is so relevant for you whether you're here today, a follower of Jesus, whether you're looking in and someone's invited you along, this book is so relevant for you. This book mentions fear over 500 times. And many of those mentions are words like, do not be afraid. Do not let your heart be troubled. This book speaks into fear. It doesn't just have the command, do not be afraid. It holds the key. It holds the key, friends, and as we, as we delve into it in these weeks to come, I believe that God's going to really help us in some big ways. So today we're going to look, uh, as we introduce this series, we're going to look at the curse, the cure, and the command. So we, we need to see how anxious we've become in our society. We need to see that clearly. And that will help us. If we're here Christians today, it will help us as we look to help those around us. We need to see how anxious our culture has become. We need this so that we can help ourselves deal with anxiety and fear, but we need it so that we can help others. Everyone is being impacted by this culture of fear that I've alluded to, whether that's through uh, TV and 24-hour news channels, whether it's through Twitter, whether it's through our phones when we're checking uh, BBC News or other news apps we might use we're having things thrown at us at all angles, whether it's extreme weather that's been uh, profiled a lot recently, whether it's uh, the threat of uh, terrorism or rogue states, whether it's pandemics, whether it's knife crime in our neighborhood, whether it's political turmoil, we're having it thrown at us from all angles. And information is coming to us at a frightening pace. And stuff that if we lived 100 years ago or 150 years ago, stuff that we would never, ever have heard about in our whole life is coming to our phone and we get notifications telling us about it every single day. You need to understand that the world has changed hugely. Maybe as many as two or 300 years ago, if the Queen's husband died as he did a few months ago. If he died, we, you wouldn't hear about it for maybe days or weeks until someone came to your village to herald the news. And now we have the news it, the moment it happens. Through Twitter, you have it the second it happens. And it's coming at us from all angles. And it's not just news uh, and, a, and a big events, but diets. I mean, It would be so much better if newspapers just printed one paper a week, wouldn't it? Because they wouldn't have to fill their their papers with all kinds of speculation. Almost every other day, there's something else that would cause cancer, some food that you could eat that would cause cancer or something like that. And you think, you're just trying to fill paper here now, aren't you? You're just trying to make another story of someone speculating about something. But not just diets, but concerns about our children and the next generation, what might happen to them. And we kind of have lots of red tape and lots of things that we have to go through, which we do here, you'll be pleased to know, we take safeguarding very seriously. But even with all of that, there's some stuff there of, well, children can never be 100% safe. Safety is like a holy grail that it looks amazing, but we never quite get it. We never quite attain to it. We have seatbelts and a health service, and we have CCTV, and we have all kinds of things. We have antibiotics, which are incredible. And then there's worry about, what if we become immune to antibiotics? There's that worry now as well to think about, oh, these amazing drugs, but what if we get immune to them? Then we're in big trouble. This is all kinds of things coming at us. It's become a holy grail, safety has, but it's always just out of reach. We're protected like never before before. And yet, now as a society, we're more anxious than ever before. Just a hundred years ago, the average age or the average life expectancy was 60. It's now 82. And yet, we're more anxious as a society than we ever were. What is all this about? What's the cause of this curse? I believe it's very simple. And I believe it's because, as a society, by and large... We've turned our backs on God. I really believe that is the the root cause of it. Our society is becoming ever more anxious about the unknown. That's why the voices of scientists are becoming more and more prominent. They're almost like prophets that people want to hear from. Like, if only you can speak into the future for us. And listen, I'm not anti-science. You know, science has seen incredible things happening. My own child was, uh, you know, had a serious medical condition when she was a baby. And, and listen, I'm so grateful for medical advances and all kinds of scientific advances. But people are now sort of hanging on the words of scientists as if they might be able to reassure us. If we can only know about the future, then we can control it in some ways. We can feel a sense of, okay, I know that's going to happen. I know that's coming. And so we can feel reassured. This is a big deal for us. Without the providential care of a kind father who rules the universe sovereignly, we're kind of left to the mercies of the shifting sands of morality and of nature and of the future. And so in ousting God from our society, other concerns from from personal health to the health of the planet, have kind of got this divine ultimacy in our minds. That's the biggest thing that we could possibly look to. We're no longer anchored as a society. As a society, We're no longer anchored in who God is, knowing Him as our Father, knowing Him as our provider. And so we've kind of got these free-floating anxieties going around. And you see, the thing is, atheism promised so much Atheism promised that if we did away with God, then we could enjoy a carefree life. And one of the most prominent atheistic thinkers of the last century, Bertrand Russell, he said this, science can teach us, and I think our own hearts can teach us, no longer to look around for imaginary supports, no longer to invent allies in the sky, but rather to look to our own efforts here below, to make this world a fit place to live in. Science can help us to get over the craven fear in which mankind has lived for so many generations. He wrote that almost 100 years ago. It didn't turn out to be a very good prophecy, did it? We are now more anxious as a society than ever before. Throwing off God has made our society not happier, it's made it more fretful in every way. But it wasn't just Bertrand Russell. The Enlightenment period of the 17th and 18th centuries where there was loads of scientific and technological advances, it essentially promised that science would drive away the shadows of fear and superstition. And and this sentiment, this sentiment of the Enlightenment has continued. I don't know if you remember this bus campaign a few years ago that was put on by the uh, British um, Humanist Association and sponsored by Richard Dawkins. Buses, they paid tens of thousands of pounds to send buses around uh, London saying, there probably is no God. So stop worrying and enjoy your life. And I don't know if you're here today and maybe you don't believe in God, or maybe you just... Got very many good friends who don't believe in God. It's not the case that you can just stop worrying and enjoy your life. Because life is full of so many uncertainties. And so this nation is now mostly non-Christian. We're probably 5% of people who would be Christians in this country. And what we've found is that actually now this society is more anxious than ever before. Mental health services are overrun. Having worked in mental health services myself and with mental health practitioners on a regular basis, mental health services are overrun. That was 10 years ago and even more so now. And medication is thrown at people for all kinds of anxiety disorders. And again, I'm not anti-medication for things. I know that these things can be helpful. But if you're a doctor here, you will know that is a palliative treatment. It's not a solution. It's something that might treat the impact of anxiety in your life, but it's not a solution. You, wouldn't, you would know that if you're a medical professional here. And we've got this, this society that is more and more anxious. The more technology and science has advanced, we've not become more happy and less anxious. So what does our society do with all this anxiety? It won't turn to God. It won't turn to God. Fear has become a disease to be medicated. Our society will not turn to God. It might be medication in official means through going to a GP or a mental health practitioner. It might be medication through non-official means, through drink or through cannabis or through kind of just sitting in front of a screen for 15 hours a day. That is what's going on in our society. There is a curse upon our society in this way so what's the cure to fear we've looked at the curse what is the cure to fear it is fear fear is the cure to fear really really Tom I've come to church to hear that listen we've we've come to see fear as such a negative thing like entirely negative thing that we as Christians have maybe lost a big truth from the Bible which is the fear of God a big thing that the Bible speaks into. The cure to fear is the right fear of God. The cure to fear is the right fear of God. I've almost lost you there. Uh, Stay with me as I unpack this for us. The Bible presents the cure as the fear to God. We read in places like Proverbs 9 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So how can we how can we define fear? How can we define the fear of God? And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But are we not told that? Are we not told that perfect love casts out all fear? That's what we read in the New Testament, isn't it? Aren't we told just by Jesus there in those words that we've read, "Do not be afraid. Let your hearts not be troubled. Let them not be afraid." Aren't we told that Christians have a spirit not of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind? That's what we're told, isn't it? So is that not just an Old Testament thing? Is the fear of God an Old Testament thing? One person says that when you read the Old Testament, the fear of God is like a sign of of piety. Where it says, so-and-so feared the Lord, you get the impression that they were uh, a holy man or woman. Is it just an Old Testament thing? Are we to see something of the fear of God today? Well, in Jeremiah... We turn to Jeremiah 32. We see God making a promise to his people. And it's a promise about a new covenant, an everlasting covenant. This is the covenant, the promise, the the way of relating to God that we as Christians are now in. He's talking to his people about this. And he says this in verse 38 to 40. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts and they may not turn from me. So the fear of of God, when we read that Promise from God about this new everlasting covenant, we see it's actually a blessing of the new covenant. We see it's a a blessing for Christians. The fear of God is a blessing for Christians. It's a thing that Christians get to know. It's not something that is Old Testament. No, it's something that believers in Jesus get to know. It's not something that we might have had before Jesus came along. No, we get to know it now. So, how might we define it? This is how. I'm defining the fear of God today. The right fear of God is a rejoicing in and a trembling before who He is. This is this is the fear that keeps us from walking away from Him or drawing back from Him. This is not a, a fear that makes us run away from God as if He's some kind of chaotic monster a sinful fear of God, a wrong fear of God, it arises from this perception of God as some sort of chaotic lunatic that we can't trust in. It sees God as hazardous, not as glorious. Listen, the right fear of God, it flows from an appreciation of God. It flows from an appreciation, a right understanding, a right view of who he is. It's not a flip side of love for God. It's not love him, but also fear him. Right fear of God doesn't stand in tension with love for God. Right fear falls on its face before God. But listen, it falls leaning towards the Lord, not away from him. It falls in his direction. It sees him as gloriously gracious and majestic and strong. It's not... Right to say that we love God for his graciousness, but we fear him for his majesty and power. No, we love him also for his holiness and majesty and power. And we fear him because of his great grace and mercy poured out on our lives. So true right fear of God is is true love for God, actually. It's the right response to God's full revelation, his full revealing of himself in all his grace and glory. That's what the the right fear of God is. It's the right response to his revealing of himself as glorious creator and merciful redeemer. That's how he's revealed himself to the world. You can look around you, you can see this, this God, this creator is glorious. He's a glorious creator. And as you look at Jesus on the cross... As you look at him hanging there in your place to redeem you and free you, you can see him. He's revealed fully as your glorious, merciful redeemer. So the right fear of God comes from seeing him for who he is. And it drives drives us away from other things. It drives us away from other things and to our God. It's a fear that makes us lean towards the Lord because of his goodness to us. Listen, we were, we were made for this. We were made to rejoice in and tremble at the living God. That's what we were made for, to, to know this rejoicing and trembling. It's such a, a thing that seems so paradoxical, doesn't it? To rejoice in something and tremble at it, this is what we were made for. It's true worship, to see him for who he is and to enjoy him for it. He's the awesome creator and he's the gracious redeemer. So we can look at awesome things in nature. When you go to Felixstowe on a stormy day and you see the great crashing waves, you can look at those waves and say, this is my father's work. You can see a beautiful sunset and you can say, this is my father's work. This is the one I get to know. This is the one who's shown me mercy. This is the one who's shown me grace. It's the fear of the Lord. We must behold this God if we're to fear him we must allow him to fill the horizon of our minds and that is completely the opposite of what our culture and our society tells us to do when we're anxious because our culture says look inside of yourself I saw something on Facebook this week that says celebrate your strength look at yourself look at you you're wonderful you are enough it says But actually, the Bible says you need to behold him. You need to have the horizon of your mind filled with him. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Listen, when we, we seek to bolster our self-esteem by looking in on ourselves, and everything about our lives <laughs> encourages that. Social media encourages us to look at ourselves. So much encourages us to look inwards. When we do that, we actually just become more anxious, become more desperate. We need to behold Him. Relief from anxious fear is for those who fear the Lord, who behold him, who drink deeply of who he is, who allow uh, who he is and what he's done to fill our minds. So the fear of God is, is, not, is not all that we, with our culture's kind of allergic reaction to the word fear, it's not all that we might expect. It's seeing God for who he is, our awesome creator and our gracious redeemer. It's beholding him. It's rejoicing in him and trembling at him. And friends, we need this. We need this in our lives. We need to behold him. And as we behold him, we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. So we've looked at the curse. We've looked at the cure. Let's look at the command, shall we? Let's go back to the beginning. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Let them not be afraid. How are we doing? How are we doing? What's going on in your heart? Are you kind of walking in fear day by day, an unhealthy fear? In the weeks to come, we're going to unpack different fears that can become strongholds. God's going to do great stuff in this series, but just as we at the outset of this, let's just allow God to graciously put his finger on things. What we, what we most fear does speak a lot about our priorities, speaks a lot about things that we might be making ultimate in our minds. Maybe that you know, okay, God's putting his finger on this. We're going to respond. We're going to respond now. We're gonna to sing to this God. And we're gonna have a bit of extended time of just being before him. And the band could come and be ready. They've served us so well today. We're gonna to sing some more. But just as we sing, and as I pray in just a moment, I believe God's gonna just put his finger on some things. Some things that maybe you've you know, the fear of man. Oh, it's a snare, the Bible says. It's a snare. Fear of the future. Just trying to grasp hold of things that you can control. There's some things that God wants to deal with today. And he wants to fill the horizon of your mind. As we sing this song in just a moment that speaks of this sovereign one, this Jesus who who stands with victory in his hands. Wow. (laughs) Call to mind this Jesus who has defeated our greatest enemy. He's the one with victory in his hands. He's the one who says, behold, I was dead, but now I'm alive. I'm the living one. I hold in my hands the the keys to death and Hades. He's the one who's in control, friends. This Jesus who went to the cross for you and I, who went there to take upon himself The punishment that our wrongdoing deserves. Our wrong thinking deserves. Our self-centred life deserves. And he rose again. And he's here in our midst this morning, guys. He's here with us. Should we stand where we are? Just want to lead us in a prayer. I want to encourage us to engage our hearts with this God. There'll be time to receive prayer at the end of the service. We've got our prayer area back and uh, if you've served on the prayer team in the past just please go and be ready to receive people and to pray with them but right now let us each one let's each one just engage with God Father we come to you now and we acknowledge Lord that there have been times where we've allowed our mind to be filled with things that have caused us to fear and have anxiety. And we we turn away from those Like right now. We we turn away from the lies that we've believed. We turn away from wanting to grasp hold of control. We turn away from wrong thinking now. Maybe you just need to, just as as I've prayed that. Maybe you just need to own that before God and just say it to God yourself. I turn away from that now. Father, we thank you that even as we do that, you don't just kind of stand there, arms folded, thinking, when are they going to grovel? <laughs> that's not your. That's not your. Uh, that's not your posture towards your children, Lord. You're so so pleased to see your children turning away from things Lord it delights you just believe that even now you just need to see the Father's delight as you leave some things behind as you as you turn away from wrong thinking he's not got his arms folded <laughs> he's not looking on disappointed thinking how could you have allowed that to creep in He's delighted that you're laying it down. He's delighted. Father, we want to be those that have the the horizon of our minds filled with you. We want to know you. We want to see you daily. We want to behold you daily, Lord. In this uncertain world, you are the one certainty. Lord, you never change. never change Lord take a hold of this God this morning friends take hold of your father this morning he never changes allow fear to melt away as you behold this one Father would you do work in our hearts now even as we sing would you lay your, lay your gracious, loving hand on some things where well, you want us to just put things down? We want to be those that shine in this life because we're solid and secure. Not thrown around, Lord, by every wind of doom-mongering. <laughs> Not thrown around by the opinion of others. Not living life hoping that people might accept us fearful of what they might think. We want to be those that take a hold of you and what you say. Pray you convince us, Lord, that this book is your living word that really does come and do work in our hearts. Pray you convince us of that, Father. Would you convince me and my brothers and sisters here that this book holds the truth that will set us free? Convince us of that I pray in Jesus' name.